In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to take you back as someone who belongs to God's people to Jerusalem. It's July and it's 587. It's been a hard two years because the enemy, the Babylonians, have been lurking outside your city for some time now. But today, things are different. Today, battering rams break through the city walls. Chaos ensues. Foreign invaders spill into the streets, rounding up everyone in your neighborhood. They bark orders that you don't understand, and even if you don't understand them, that doesn't matter to them. If you respond too slowly to their orders, you don't receive mercy. Within the next few days, conquerors have surrounded the temple. They've confiscated everything inside. And they set on fire the place where God has promised to dwell. Yeah, it's called a scorched earth policy. That's what the Babylonians did. After a month, Jerusalem lay in dust and ashes. Houses, markets, buildings reduced to rubble. Gone. People and animals lie in Zion's streets. And if you've been fortunate enough to survive the invasion, soldiers now take you bound for a long journey, intimidating you with jeers and shouts, blows and whips. Where are you going? You are going to Babylon, 700 miles away. Spending your days at hard labor in the fields along the Euphrates River. And there's probably one question that races through your mind continually. How did it come to this? Maybe you've asked that question about life a time or two in the past several years. How did it come to this? With each new wave of the pandemic... I'm sure your constitution takes somewhat of a hit. Things are not the same. Things don't look like Jerusalem in the year 587, but they don't look like February 2020 either. There is something incredibly wrong and painful happening. We don't know what to do next. Everything seems off. Some people can't or won't work. Many have died. Many are dealing with the aftermath, physical or mental, of having the virus. For many of us, things have changed drastically. Our work, our family, the way we interact with the world may never be the same. And you say, yes, we know this. Let's not talk about it anymore. After all, we're North Dakotans. We'll get through it. Everything is just fine. This is the malady. To survive such a time like this, we shut down. To keep going, we turn off our emotions. We don't address the problem. So we just, we we internalize everything, right? The anxieties, the fear, the worry, the doubts, the anger. We might become silently 
negative, cynical, sarcastic. May even doubt God's ability to do anything about the situation. His ability to deliver us. We're tempted to believe in nothing, hope in nothing. And because of that, we increasingly isolate ourselves from everyone and everything. How did it come to this? How did it come to this? God has not revealed exactly why He's allowed things to unfold as they have in these days. But we do know God's modus operandi, His M.O., especially as we look at the book of Jeremiah. And what is His M.O.? God tears down to build up. God tears down to build up. God used the prophet Jeremiah to tear down and build up. God used the Babylonian exile to tear down and to build up. In what ways exactly? To turn the hearts of His people back. To turn the hearts of people who had followed other gods, who forgot about God, and who followed things that cannot save or cannot provide any true comfort. To turn people back from all sorts of bad habits that are hurting them spiritually, physically, mentally. In Jerusalem 587, at a time where God might seem to be absent, He is tearing down. Hear His words through the prophet Jeremiah. I, right, it's not some accident, over which God has no control. I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. That's from Jeremiah 20, verse 4. And God repeats that sentiment elsewhere in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 21.7, 32.28, and 38.3, among others. God, this isn't just something that he can't control. You might say, well, that's not what I would do. Well, God's not doing it out of spite. He's not doing it out of malice. He's not overthrowing or tearing down to bring us to despair or to usher in tyranny. He is tearing down so that He can build us back up. Tearing down to build up. Tearing down our confidence in things that are fleeting and faulty so that we might be built up in Him, the one true God. Tearing us down in error and our own ideas so that we might have the truth in Him. Building us up not to retreat from life's sorrows, but to overcome them. To do those vocations that God has given among our neighbors, for our neighbors. To know that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And how does God do this? How does God accomplish this purpose? Through His Word. In the call of Jeremiah from today, we see God at work and we see God doing all the work through the power of His Word. And so when you look at Jeremiah, God had created Jeremiah. He makes that 
clear. God had consecrated Jeremiah, set him apart. We'll talk more about that in just a couple of minutes. God had appointed Jeremiah and given him a specific task. Given him to God's people for a specific task. And he does that all for you too. But God doesn't expect Jeremiah to kind of figure it out on his own, make it up, write all these kind of things. Jeremiah, by his own admission, he's young. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. So God makes him a promise. The Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations. Not because of who Jeremiah is on his own, but because he carries the word of God. I have set you this day over nations and kingdoms to pluck up, break down, destroy, to overthrow, and to plant. If you go on to verses 18 and 19, the language is even stronger. Behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and all the people of the land. They will fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. God gave the prophet Jeremiah his word. But it wasn't easy. The prophet Jeremiah survives rejection, public humiliation, mockery, conspiracies, imprisonments, and eventually exile to Egypt. And here's the surprise. Okay? As God's messenger, a lot of what he suffered comes from God's people. This is the story of Jeremiah. In much of the scriptures, we have messages from the prophets, but not a whole lot of information about the prophets themselves. Isaiah's name appears just 17 times in his book. It's a big book, right? Ezekiel's name comes up just twice in his Jeremiah is totally different. He is mentioned 125 times in his book. Because he's showing us his life. He participates fully in the events that he describes. He shows us how the circumstances of his day affect him. Affect him spiritually. Affect him in his walk with God. His wrestling with God. This is where Jeremiah is unique. But it also reminds us of someone else. Someone else who brought God's Word and about whom the books that were written are about Him, and that's Jesus. God in the flesh, who also suffered similar things. Much of it from God's people. Much of it from God's people fighting against the Word of the Lord. But the similarities between Jesus and Jeremiah only go so far. 
God goes with Jeremiah. God delivers Jeremiah according to His Word. God does the same for you. He goes with you and He delivers you according to His Word. But, according to God's Word, in accordance with God's Word, in keeping with God's Word, Jesus is not delivered. He is, delivered, he is not delivered from, but delivered into suffering and death. God's messenger, God's Messiah, God Himself, fighting for, but also against God's people who don't want to receive that Word. What a shame. There's another major difference between Jeremiah, us, and Jesus. On Good Friday, Jesus experiences hell. Betrayal, denial, scourging, piercing, cursing, crushing. And as God's people, maybe we're used to suffering some of these things, at least. Some of them, not to the degree that Jesus did, from other people. But never from God Himself. Never from the Father Himself. Jesus experiences forsaking and wrath. Taking them upon Himself so that we would never know, we would never experience the suffering, the loss, the shame that comes from separation from the Father. He suffered hell in our place, the depths of which you and I can never know. But we fight against that Word of the Lord still. Make no mistake. The war is won. The battle still rages. The devil, the world, your sinful flesh will not stop their assault. Right? They're like the Babylonians crouching at the door. They they seek to take what is most important. Your faith. Your reliance on the one true God. They will try to pour into your life and most of the time, We welcome these invaders with open arms. We welcome them. We empower them. We embrace them. So God gives us the weapon we need to stand against them. And that is His Word. His Word, which seeks to go with you so God can go with you and deliver you. A Word that points us to Jesus. Here's the problem. The world never stops its assault, right? It's constant. It's 24-7. Yet most of us take only an hour, if that, a week to receive God's life-giving, spirit-strengthening, sin-forgiving power. But it's so important. It is central to what God seeks to do in our lives. It's interesting, if you looked at today's gospel reading, there's a lot of things going on, isn't there? Jesus is doing all sorts of stuff. Casting out demons, curing the sick. But notice, if you'll notice, these are not the priority. They are not the primary priority. They flow from something else. So here's what the gospel lesson records for today. 
When Jesus departed and went to a desolate place, the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. Of course. But he said to them, now here's what he said, I must go and cast out demons from other places? No. I must go and do miracles in other places? No. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. For this purpose. To give people God's word. Will God's people receive it? Joyfully. Gladly. Take it to heart. Do you know why God wants to give us His Word? Why Jesus wants to give us His Word? He tells us. He tells us in Luke 3.3. Jesus went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That is the purpose. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus doesn't give you God's Word just to make you feel better. Jesus doesn't give you His Word to entertain you. You know, that's what uh, Herod probably wanted for him from Him when He was paraded in front of Him. Do a little dance, do a little miracle. Entertain us, Jesus. Jesus doesn't even come to tell us, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, it's going to be okay. God's Word comes to kill us and then make us alive. To make us dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. To give us law and gospel. In the parlance, the language of today's Old Testament reading, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow. But also, to build and to plant. I think we drastically underestimate how much God wants us to receive His Word and the very things that God does through His Word. We do not or cannot know God aright apart from His Word. We just can't. It is how God calls, gathers, enlightens, strengthens, disciples. It is how He keeps them in the faith. It is God speaking to you. It is God speaking for you. It is God speaking life and forgiveness in His Son. It is God speaking to you and for you. Consider how He approaches Jeremiah. Consider what He tells the young prophet. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God assures the prophet that Way before Jeremiah knew about God, God knew about him. God knew about him. God's purpose and plans for him predate the foundations of the world, and it's true for you as well. We forget. We need God's Word to remind us 
that we don't fall through the cracks, that God knows you intimately. Jesus tells us that God knows the number of your days, the number of the hairs on your head, every single thing about you, who intimately knows you, your concerns, your fears, your doubts, your sins, everything, and gives you His Word according to that. God knows your need. He doesn't stand idly by while all these things are happening. This is a God who began the good work of faith in you through the words and water of baptism. Here God put His name on you. He consecrated you. Set you apart for life in His kingdom. He singled you out to receive His gifts and His love. And how does He give those? Through His Word. Through those waters, through His Word, He gives you His Holy Spirit. Set you amid the church to receive that Word again and again and again and again and again. Because the forces of darkness do not take a day off. They do not stop their assault. They will not. That Word again and again and again and again. Because we need it. We need it. And today we have it from Jeremiah, and thanks be to God we have it from Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is obsessed (laughs) with God's Word. The expression declares the Lord or oracle of the Lord appears 167 times in Jeremiah. And that's 60% of the time that that occurs in the Old Testament. 60%. The word, word, God's word, appears more than 90 times. That's the greatest usage of any book of the Bible, by the way. And as you heard from today, Jeremiah describes the word of God and what it does beautifully in many and various ways. God's word calls, it judges, it overthrows, it critiques, it promises, it creates, it warms, it empowers. It tears down and builds up. It overthrows. It pulls up and it plants. It wields absolute and ultimate authority. It towers over every other assurance of hope or rescue. I don't need it this week. 20 minutes and I think I can make it through. Bible study? Eh. Already heard it. Shame on us. We don't fight against God's Word by your behavior. Many times you indicate that you do. Thought, word, and deed. Receive God's gifts for the gifts that they are. Because through that word, God goes with you. Through that word, God delivers you. Through that word, God tears you down and builds you up. Plucks you up from the domain of darkness, sin, death, and the devil. Plants you, his pleasant planting, in the kingdom of light. It is his word and his word alone that makes you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. 
It is His Word that gives you strength that amid disappointment, amid disease, amid darkness and death, that we know those things all meet their end in Christ. Jesus was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief, but He overcame them. The darkness of sin, the sting of death. And through God's Word and promise and the Holy Spirit that He sends in that Word, so shall you. You have the Word of God. You have the Word of God made flesh. You desperately need both. Not only to survive these dark days, but to have joy, hope, community, place, now and in the world to come. Amen. And may the peace of God which transcends all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.